I believe Haley Creek has a special this morning. We were sitting down there, and the boys said, uh, you know we're going to do two this morning, and you're going to do your daddy's song. I said, oh, you got to be kidding. You want to do it first or second? I said, first. <laughs> yeah. The butterflies are just, you know, I know what it's like. You singers, you know exactly what it's like, don't you? Anywhere but promise land. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we grow weary with the toils of this life. This old world is filled with troubles and strife. But Jesus is coming to take us away. It is a burden on my heart, and I hope and pray it is your too, and I hope it's a prayer 
on your heart for them. You know, uh, I was in the service, and uh, I was in the service during the Vietnam War, and what we left over there was a lot of blood, and we just come home. And I just hope and pray that this is not the way Afghanistan is going to be in other places that we go. I wish we could go and whoop them like we used to do, you know, Korea, uh, Germany, and, uh, and then come home. And that's the way we ought to do it, but it seems like our leaders today have other uh, ways of doing things. But uh, anyway, uh, another, the main thing that I want to uh, think about going back to the song that we're about to sing is, uh, you know, uh, when I was in the Army, what I remember most is marching. And that's the title of our song today is when the saints go marching in. You might want to start practicing because it won't be long before the Lord comes and we might do a lot of marching. <laughs> I, whoop, that's the wrong key. This is going to be in B flat. I am just
Thank you. I knew better let Buddy go first. Thanks to Haley Creek Boys for sharing with us a message and song. Go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to the book of John, chapter 13. John, chapter 13. Getting away from the series that we've been looking at for just for several Sunday mornings, Elijah and Elisha, prophets of the Most High God. Uh, this time of the year in August, we are looking at electing our teachers and officers, and that is such an important role in our church today. And what we need to do is, is I want our teachers to take their job of the utmost utmost importance in teaching the Word of God. The John chapter 13, verse 1. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Just one verse. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Father, I bow before you, asking for your guidance, your mercy, and your strength. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for this awesome day that you've blessed us with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, at this time, do something a little bit differently. If you are a teacher or an assistant, Sunday morning, Sunday night, or on Wednesday, I would like for you to stand up. If you are a teacher on Sunday morning, Sunday night, if your name is in the list of teachers, and or you're an assistant on Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, and uh, would you, okay, and if you would, I'm going to ask all of you to come up here and just line up right up here. Miss Francis, if you need to sit down on the front pew, that would be fine. It's great to see Miss Francis teaching for so many years. What a blessing. I would just like to have a word of prayer on behalf and for each of you. Matter of fact, if y'all wouldn't mind, just grab each other's hand as y'all line up. The uh, First off, many of you, I think, will probably continue to teach this coming year. I know we're some changes, different positions, all for uh, many different reasons. But the Word of God states in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, 
It says, And the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, and that means men and women, who shall be able to teach others also. My prayer is that you would take your position as a teacher at Promised Land, the utmost importance, that you would be, be there early, that you would work hard, that you would study God's Word, and that you would do these things because you're representing, of course, Jesus, this church. That's my prayer. Let's all bow for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for these men and women who are our teachers. I'm praying that we will have a great year. And I'm praying for your giving them strength and grace. Dear Lord, please bless each of these individuals. Please touch them and strengthen them for this coming year. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Y'all give them a hand. And that's just to say thank you. That's to say thank you for your service. Thank you for your hours of preparation. If you noticed an insert, I know uh, last Sunday while we were gone, the, the uh, that Miss Denise put it in there, and also again, this coming a week from today begins our church strengthening revival, and uh, the schedule, of course, is just Sunday and Wednesday. Uh, we had uh, some things that were, especially with our teachers' uh, workshops and open house. A lot of our uh, members are teachers, and so we're just our regular services, but. Especially, please, if you can, be here for all three of these services. Now, what they are is to encourage us as church members. Because, you know, revival is for the church. It's for us. Anytime that we can uh, strengthen ourselves, anytime that, or ask God to strengthen us, anytime that we can look to Him for strength, anytime that we can look to Him for that. Uh, salty dogma is just right out of uh, Matthew chapter 5. You know, you're to be salt and light in this world, and that's what it's talking about. Uh, hey, teach is a catchphrase. Of course, our speaker, Dubs Byers, is the superintendent over all the teachers of the entire Arkansas State Penitentiary System, and he's in charge of the teachers. And a lot of the catchphrase in the prison, the prisoners, uh, they say, hey, teach. And... Uh, did you know, besides these teachers, all of you are teachers? All of you teach somebody something. And it's, you know, a lot of, that, a lot of those prisoners are looking for those, to those teachers. And, you know, people are looking to us. What, what are you representing? How are you representing promised land? When people see you, you are a direct reflection of the Lord and promised land. Also, then, of course... Uh, uh, who, me, in other words, uh, the subtitle there, every member a minister, which means a servant. We're all, a matter of fact, that fits right in with this morning's message, finding our identity. Who, who are we? You know, to say Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church, that's, but who are we? I mean, I'm a saved, born-again believer, member of Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church, but what, are, what does God want you to be? Who does God want you to be? Representing in this world, and as we look to this, in John chapter 13, 
Oh, by the way, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, these are all the last words of Jesus before his arrest. I mean, this is about the last 24 hours of his. I mean, can you imagine you've only got 24 hours to tell your family something before you're gone? What are you going to tell them? He's been working and preparing and doing. This is the night of the Passover. He's about to wash the disciples' feet. They're doing the Lord's Supper. Uh, Judas Iscariot's there. He eventually leaves and go and he does his thing. But these are all the last words of Jesus. And of course, we're just going to briefly hit on a few things in these chapters. Of course, the very first one, John chapter 13, we're called to be servants. We read the very first verse. And this, this is a neat lesson, a neat instruction for you and I to learn this morning is that we're called to be servants and to serve like Jesus served. Now, Jesus served others not because He was a servant, but to show us an example. Matter of fact, He said, he said you know, I do this to set the example. Matter of fact, uh, uh <clears throat> As he says in verse 13, you call me Master and Lord. And he says in verse 13, I am. (laughs) I am your Master and Lord. But if I'm your Lord and Master and I've washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. And that doesn't mean the ordinance of foot washing. It was the example of being a servant. There are only two ordinances, the Lord's Supper and Baptism. This was an example of custom in that day. As we looked at serving like Jesus served, look at verse 4 and 5. In other words, to be the kind of church member, what's your identity? And to say this, I want you to leave this morning knowing, if you're a member here, knowing who you are and who you represent. If you're not a member here, knowing what you can be. Number one, you can be saved if you're not saved. If you're saved, God wants you to plug in and follow His commandments. Plug in. Plug in. You know, people say, well, I don't know about attending Promised Land. Or they say, well, I've been attending. I rented somebody at Jade's. The other day I was talking to them. They had come to visit our church before. And, and I said, hey, been missing seeing you. Yeah, just hadn't been going. I said, whether it's Promised Land or wherever, plug in and go to work for Jesus. Plug in. I said, it's not about, you know, you need to be where God is leading you to be. It's not about my opinion or your opinion. It's about where God wants you. He says, he rises from the supper, laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. He poured water in the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Basically, serving like Jesus served means what? That... It's not about titles or position or, you know, a matter of fact, I saw it played. There's a card played a lot of times and people who are older have a card to play and uh, are more experienced. And, and, that, and especially I remember being twice as young as I am now. I was in the ministry and people say, well, I've been in church longer than you've been alive. That doesn't mean squat. <laughs> Because you can be in church 185 years and still be a babe in Christ. And, uh, but that's a card that people that have been in church a long time or that are older love to play on younger people. 
And they whip it out when they have nothing else to say. And, uh, but Jesus didn't, no, Jesus didn't use that. He just said what? I'm older. I am smarter. And I am more mature than you. But he didn't use that card, did he? What card did he use? Let me show you how to serve. That's what he played. That's what he did. Let me show you how to serve. And he said, and then listen to this. Verse 6, what I call it, serving in spite of opposition. Did you know this? That if you try to do anything for the Lord, there will be opposition. You never know where it's coming from. But there will always be opposition. But this was from within his own church. Church member versus church member. If you believe that Jesus instituted the church during his personal ministry, guess what? These were two church members. In fact, this was the pastor and a church member. And the pastor said, I need to wash your feet. Peter said, what? You're not going to wash my feet. What are you thinking? And he says, if you won't let me wash your feet, we can't have fellowship. And if we can't have fellowship, then the whole thing's messed up. And then Peter said, I, oh, I'm sorry, I get it. I get it. And matter of fact, he said, don't wash my feet only. And uh, verse 9, but everything. Which just means this. And I want to go ahead and say this. And, and uh, that still under that chapter 13 point, loving others even if they disagree with us. You know what it means? Jesus could have said, Peter, how many times do I have to tell you? When will you grow up, Peter? But he did not respond that way. I've, I've responded that way to my own kids before. How many times do I have to tell you? But what? How did? Whenever Peter did disagreed with him, and he, Peter was in the wrong, Jesus did not respond angrily, did he? He didn't. He responded lovingly. Or Jesus responded lovingly. He said, I, I want to fellowship with you. I want to fellowship with you. And then, of course, he did. Now, Peter still made a lot of mistakes. Verse 34 and 35, he says, Now, listen, before we do anything else, I need to tell you. I'm going to give you a new commandment. You've grown up all your life knowing the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments. I'm giving you a new one. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have loved one to another. The most important need in a church is that people would see how you treat others. How you respond. It's it's not really so much in this world about, you know, especially in today's world where our flesh gets in trouble is not, not all the time what we say or think, but how do you respond when the world, whatever, any, any situation, how do you respond? Verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 14, 
we're called to be servants. The whole the whole chapter is about being a servant. Chapter 13, chapter 14, we're called to keep his commandments. Of course, this is uh, they just found out one of them's going to you're somebody's going to uh, deny me. There's the betrayal back there in verse 21 through 30. And, uh, and then, of course, Peter found out that you're going to deny me three times. And um, then he says he offers some in words of encouragement. Chapter 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Then he says in chapter 14, verse 15, now, if you're a church member and you want to do right, number one, you have to be a servant. Number two, you listen to the preacher preaching, do what the Word of God says to do. If you love me, keep my commandments. We had a, uh, last Sunday, we were, of course, on vacation. We had our, there was ten of us. We had our own little church service. I had some New Testament Bibles to pass out. Trying to just share the Word of God. Just share the Word of God. If you love me, keep my commandments. It goes on to say in verse 23, I'm, I'm in chapter 14 now still. In verse 23, he says, and listen, you need to, if you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him to Judas, and it says not Iscariot, but a different Judas. There were two Judases in that first church. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. And then also, of course, this Judas. And uh, Jesus answered him and said, Well, how, how are we going to represent you in the world? And uh, he says, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Which tells me this. A lot of us, I've heard people say, I don't witness because I don't know what to say. God says He'll be with you and He'll help you anytime you're facing difficulties. Verse 24, it says, Now this is about not loving Jesus. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So chapter 13 is about called to be his servants. Chapter 14 is about a call to keep his commandments. Chapter 15. Now remember, what is all this? This is like one big long farewell. Let me tell you some things before I have to go. And they're still wondering what's happening. They did not realize that he was going to be arrested and betrayed. He told them, but they really, you know, until you see something happening, you, a lot of times you don't know exactly how it's going to happen. And all the details. In chapter 15, where to produce fruit, it's a famous chapter about being, you know, Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. Let's read verse 1 through 4. John 15, verse 1 I am the vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. And looking at this, it says basically this. We're, we're, got, we're a vine. Plug in. Remember the phrase I used? Plug into Jesus. 
how do you, you know, a lot of times I just, I take for granted. I use, I throw a phrase out there and, and I don't know what you're thinking. When I say plug in, what does that mean? Become involved. People say, well, I go to church, but I don't get anything out of it. Just because you're not plugged in. You're not involved. And involved means how can I help? How can I be a servant? Where's the towel? What can I do? And if you don't know what to do, just you know, find a, uh, somebody that's already teaching in the church. Find some, come to the pastor. Say, how can I plug in? How can I help? And, and if, you know, again, coming to church is dull and empty and boring if you're not plugged in. You've got to become involved. What? We're the, what branch? Who are we to plug into? Jesus. Our goal, if you're a member of this church and you're trying to do the right thing, Verse 8 is your goal. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Our identity is verse 13 through 17. It says, now this, when you say our identity, basically this. If I say, what is your identity? You say, well, here's my driver's license. And that, yes, that does represent who you are. And just there's a picture on there and... And uh, my wife looked at it the other day. Somebody saw our picture on Facebook of our when we were married 23 years ago in one day. And uh, they said, oh, that's Caleb and Allie. <laughs> we marked them well. And they said it looked just like us. And that, that picture is our identity of what we look like. But your real identity is who you are. Not what you look like. So, how do you behave? How do you behave? Look at it. Verse 13 through 17. How do you behave? What is your identity? What's your spiritual identity? Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you friends, for all things that I've heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go out, go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. Whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. That's our identity. Well, when you serve the Lord and you try to do right and love other people, our expectation is what verse 18 through 20 is. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. Before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love us on. In other words, if you act like everybody else, you'll blend in. But because you're not of the world, I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. And if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my saying, they will keep yours also. What is our identity? I tried to sum it all up. 
And you could phrase it differently, I'm sure. But here's who you need to be. If you're a member of this church or if you're plugged in, you need to plug in somewhere. You should be. Our identity. Who are you? Number one. Under the conclusion, it's all there in the bulletin for you. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Following His example. Loving others. Producing fruit. In spite of opposition or ridicule from unbelievers. Do we always follow that identity perfectly? No. We don't. I don't. I try. Whatever God may be laying on your heart this morning, to respond to Him and His Holy Spirit, to listen to that still, small voice. As Brother Norman and our musicians prepare for a song, What does the Lord want you to do this morning? Let Him be in control.